Um, I want to try to be brief this morning. Uh, the word that I want to share with you today, I, um, I, the Lord had given to me, I, I began to put together, it was actually several months ago. And uh, that happened to be one of those particular weekends. You might recall sometimes there's those days uh, on a Sunday morning when, whenever I wake up and, and there's already been something prepared, it's already been typed out, and the Lord just says, I want you to go another direction. And that's a little nerve-wracking and yet peaceful all at the same time, if you can understand that. Uh, when you know the Lord is speaking and yet you don't have a plan. And, uh, and so that has happened. On one of those particular days was the day that this was prepared and, and I was going to share. And I realized shortly after that that this message was designed for this particular day. Um, Many of you know we've been in, a, in, a, in an election season here around here. And so I wanted to take just a minute and talk about that for a minute. Uh, for those of you who may not know, because we've had how this whole thing plays out and how we feel about certain things. You might have noticed over the last few weeks we've had different political candidates coming by the church and visiting. Some of those by invitation. And, and um, the reason for that is not to try to mix politics and church together. That's not why we do that. The reason we do that is for two reasons. Number one, we, we believe the church family ought to be informed on what's going on in the world. You ought to know who's running for office. And so what better way than to have them worshiping with us and having them greet you and you meet them. Uh, the second thing is this, is I want them to see you. <laughs> I want them to know who you are as a church and as a corporate body because whenever there's things happening in our world, in our nation, in our state, whatever it may be, I, I want them to know that whenever life church calls, there's a force calling. Whenever, when the kingdom of God, the, 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 the people of earth that are God's children that are pursuing and seeking him, when they call on, when they call on their representative or their senator or their congressman or whatever, uh, the governor or wh whoever it might be, that wait a minute, I better, I, better, I better sit up and listen. Because for too long, the voice of the minority has been speaking out. And by minority, I'm not speaking of racial differences. I'm talking about the believers and the unbelievers. Uh, the unbelievers are very much the minority. I'm not trying to make anybody an enemy or, or voice has, or, uh, speak negative over anyone. I'm just saying that that voice, the unbelieving voice, has been the loudest voice, the most pronounced voice, and the one that it seems like people perk up and listen to because they're so loud. And I won't whoever's in office, I want them to know who you are and who we are so that when we speak, our voices are heard. So, so those are the two reasons why we do that. You may say, well, I don't like politics. In the well, I believe that politics ought not be in the church, but the church ought to be all up in the government, okay? So that's, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. In, in all of that, in all this election cycle, I was very conscious of something. Uh, all of you know that I have been running for office. I'm still <laughs> running for office. I will be for another five more weeks running for office. And I had pledged that I was not going to discuss that or talk about that from this pulpit because I didn't want to use this holy desk and this position to, to, to be a part of that. But I will say that's part of who I am and it's part of the message that I want to share today. And, um, and so I say that because I, I'm sharing this with my church family, just like on that first day in May, when I announced to our church family what my intentions were and plans were, because I wanted you to know, I want to share with you my heart just for a minute. And I want to tell you that the last five months, five to six months, have been grueling in our lives. It's, it, it, we've enjoyed it, but it's been grueling all at the same time. I'm going to tell you, because believe, I, I believed and I thought that campaigning 
was going to be right down my alley. I just believed I, I'm made for this. I can because I love people and I love to be around people. I love talking to people. I love getting to know people. And I just I, I, I'm going to be able to do this and do it good. I found out real quickly that I did not like it very much at all. And here's the reason why I don't like it. This is the reason why. Not because I don't love people and not because I don't want to be around folks and all that all the time. The reason I don't like it is because I found out real quick that being in that particular arena at least during the campaigning season of an election, it forces you to be a self-promoter. I remember the first day in May whenever I drove down Highway 15 and about 25 times between Baskin and, and Chase, I saw Kevin Bates. Now, that's a, that's a sobering moment when you see your name in purple and gold uh, about 25 times just making about a three-mile stretch on the highway. And then from there, going and meeting and meeting with groups and such and, and having to talk about, I'm the best guy for the job. I, you need to elect me because I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other. And I found out real quick, I don't like that because that's not who I am. It's never been about me. Nothing I've ever done has been about me. I, I never wanted to see Kevin Bates' name anywhere. I wanted to see the kingdom of God uplifted and exalted in the earth, and I wanted to be a vessel. He's all of you want to be a vessel to help see that happen. Let he, may he be lifted up, and, and if he's lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. That's always been our heart. That's always been my heart. And so I found out real quick I didn't like it, so I kind of quit doing it, to be honest with you. I just kind of started telling people what I just told you. I don't like being a self-promoter, so I'm not going to stand here and talk about myself. I'll just say I want to serve this district, and I want to do the best I can, and I, will you vote for me? That's all I would say, basically, at that point. And so... And so I, I, I've had to do that the last few months and kind of be in that, in that arena and in that world. And, um, and the, the hardest part of it, I'll just go ahead and say, I'm, I'm just talking to my family. Is that okay? Is that okay? I'll just talk to my family. I've shared this with my immediate family. I just want to talk to you guys for a little bit because you're, you're my family too. Another thing that was so very hard about this is I can, as long as I can remember since I've been alive almost, especially since I've been pastoring, and even more especially since I've been pastoring in a small community like Franklin Parish. I can't think of a time of going into a restaurant, if it's Filet or Brown's Landing or Brad's or wherever, and not making a circle around the restaurant and speaking to everybody. That's just who I am. I love people. I love to talk to people. I love engaging with people. And then all of a sudden, as soon as my name got put on a ballot, all of your motives are questioned all of a sudden. Ah, oh, you, you just want to shake my hand because you're running for, I'm like, didn't I shake your hand a month ago? Didn't I couple with your neck? Wasn't I? You know, I, I, and, and I, I was at an NRA banquet in Gina a couple weeks ago, and, and there was a gentleman I saw across the room, and I'd met him a few, a few weeks before. We discovered that he wasn't even in my district, and, and, and he couldn't vote for me or anything. And, but I, I met the guy, and I liked the guy, and I wanted to speak to him. So I literally walked over to his table, and I put my hand out to shake his hand, and I called him by name, and he sat there with arms folded, and he says, you don't have to shake my hand. I'm not in your district. I can't vote for you. And he kind of meant it. And that's what's kind of sad. You know, it's like, and so, so that's been the hardest part. And so if I end up being elected to this office, and I, I hope that I am, but I want the Lord's will to be done. That's, that's the main thing. We, so that's been our prayer from the very beginning. And uh, we'll know more in five weeks as to whether that's going to be my fate or not. But if I am elected to this office, the great thing about once I'm elected is that from that point forward, it doesn't have to be me anymore. It doesn't have to be. If for once in, in this whole process, it'll finally be that I'm able 
to serve the other the people and I'm able it's about the people of our district and uh, and I'll tell you specifically the reason why I've always not always but for for many years I've had sort of a desire to serve in this particular capacity because this is one of the areas and places where you can actually affect change you can actually see things happen uh, we can a lot about the stuff we see on Fox News we complain about the stuff that's going on on the national scene but 99% of the stuff that actually affects our day-to-day -day lives, whether it be a social issue, a fiscal issue, whatever it is, 99% of it is decided in Baton Rouge, not in Washington, D.C. So we have to remember that, and that's the reason why, and then specifically for this particular office, is it allows you not only to be a part of affecting that change for our state, but also it allows you at the same time, in tandem, you're able to be in the district, you're able to be with the people, you're able to do what it is I love doing already, and that's just being there and being available and serving the people. So I feel like I'm doing a stump speech all of a sudden, that's not what I intended to do. All, I, I just wanted to tell you where my heart was today on all of that. So I've got five weeks to go on my election, and, uh, and I want the Lord's will to be done on that. So be praying for me and my family during this time. I want to try to be as fast as I can this morning, but bear with me for a moment because I do have a word I want to share with you. John chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus speaking, he says, a woman, when she is in labor, it's amazing, we're talking about this today, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. In this verse, Jesus, he is speaking of his, of his soon departure and his, his ultimately leaving and leaving our pain. So he's speaking of, of what to the disciples and those he's speaking to, he's speaking of something that would be somewhat of a painful experience. You're going to have to say, we're going to have to say goodbye. I'm going to leave you physically. I'm not going to be here physically with you anymore. But their sorrow, he's letting them know that their sorrow will turn to joy when he reappears back into their life. I like this verse because it gives us this perfect, physical, natural uh, description of this incredible spiritual concept. The challenge that I'm wanting to put before all of us today is for all of us to be life givers. God has called every one of us to be life givers, life deliverers, life bringers. Th this verse basically acknowledges the fact that there is pain and anguish in birthing. All, all the mamas in the room would agree, but, but that that pain and that anguish is forgotten because there's this amazing joy that comes from being a life deliverer, being a life giver. Every mom in this room can relate to what I'm talking about today, that, that giving life is not easy. Carrying that life is not easy, and delivering it is not easy, but experiencing the life that you labor for exceeds all of the pain in the process. Life-giving doesn't stop for a mom when she gives birth, though. See, life-giving out continues. She continues uh, to bring and to give life day in and day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. She is this amazing life-giver. She's the life-bringer. And this tension that Scripture talks about between pain and the joy, that's what I really wanted us to look at today, this, this tension between the two. The idea that whether you're a natural mother or not, anyone who is a life giver, anyone who's a life bringer, male or female, is going to experience both of these. You're going to experience pain and you're going to experience joy. If you're a life giver, you'll experience both of these on a consistent basis. Being a life giver 
has some pain involved in the process. But there's nothing as joyful. There's nothing more rewarding as actually giving and bringing life. I'd like to just take a moment today and thank all of those in this room. As I look across this room, I see some amazing life givers. You're always serving. You're always there with an open heart and open arms saying, what can I do? Where can I serve? Let me roll my sleeves up. I want to bring, I want to give life. And there's so many of you in this room. Maybe you've never thought about it, but scripture refers to the church. Us, the church of the living God, refers to us as the, as the bride of Christ. In other words, we are this way. We're the spiritual mama in the earth. That's what the church is. We're, we are the spiritual mama. We're the life givers. We are here and we exist to bring life, to bring the good news to the world around us. And that doesn't come without some challenges sometimes. It doesn't come without some tension and some labor and some sacrifice, some pain. We're all children of the church. or We wouldn't be here today. We've all been touched in some way by the church, by the, by the bride of Christ, but we've been given that life so that we can give life. And just like in the natural, children grow up to be life givers themselves. We, 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 we've been loved by God and we've been given this life by God so that we can now give and distribute and be life bringers ourselves to a world that so desperately needs it. We're lifted by God so that we can lift the world. We are blessed by God so that we can bless the world, and as we grow in God, as we grow in our faith, as we take, one, take on more of the life of God, it's not meant for us just to hold it back. It's not meant for us just to be receivers all of the time. I'm so saddened, now, I don't see it in this church, but I'm so saddened, I see it in the, in the kind of the corporate church around America, there's, there's been this mindset that says, bless me, bless me, I want to receive. When we me, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for my family? Whenever, whenever the real life comes, when we roll our sleeves up and we say, how can I give? How can I distribute and give life? How can I bring life to a world that needs it? To live a life that brings hope to the people in the world around us. We're not here just to take it all in. We're here to be conduits of life. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus told his disciples, he said this, he says, I want you to let your light shine before men, that they might see your good works. They might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Pain and light in the same phrase. Pain of work, the anguish of work, with life-giving, all in the same sentence, all in the same phrase. And Jesus said in that same passage, just a couple of verses before, in verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. In their minds, no doubt, those disciples, they were thinking, but wait a minute, Jesus, we thought you were the light of the world. And basically what Jesus was saying at that moment was, he said, tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. I'm fixing to leave. You're going to experience the pain of me leaving. You'll experience joy when I come again. But here, I want you to understand something. I am the light of the world, but now I am distributing that power and that authority to you to now be the light and be the salt here on earth. Giver, let your light shine. Don't just be a life taker, but be a life giver. In this room today are many life givers, as I've already mentioned. And I want you to be encouraged today if you're a life giver. I want you to be encouraged because I know that sometimes, 
Sometimes when you're living a life of giving and serving, it can be stressful. Sometimes life is hard and you feel like you're burning the candle at both ends. I want to encourage you, of those of you that are living in that kind of tension and your life is busy and you're just, you're just full and you're trying to give and you're trying to serve, I, I want to remind you today that, 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 that there is life when you give life. You're, the, you're supposed to be the one being the life giver. It's, the mandate is on you, maybe for your family, maybe, maybe for those around you that, 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 that you're there, God has placed you in that particular arena or sphere to serve. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. As we begin to think about the fact that God has given us the greatest life and realizing the fact that now we are to be those conduits of life and the life givers can I just state a couple of things this morning? Can I just give you two or three quick points today? And the first one is this, is that life givers are busy people. Life givers are busy people. If you're a life giver, your life is busy. Anyone who's a life giver, who, anyone who brings life, they are going to be busy. We're not going to be able to get around this. There's no way to get around being busy not being busy, if you're a life giver, if we want to bring life, if we are people who realize that we're not just here to, to take up a space, but, but we are here to make a difference, we are going to be busy. If we're that kind of person living with a life-giving mentality, we realize that there's people counting on us. Every day there's people that's counting on us. For many people in many situations, we are that resource that they're looking to. We are the provider. Uh, we, we, we are the ones who, who make things happen. And there's a lot of things that really matter to us. There's a lot of people, most importantly, that, meet, that matter so much to us. And there's values in our lives. There's things and people in our lives that we value that we're not willing to and we're not willing to give up. There's things like your job and your career, your business maybe. It's very important to you. Your education, it's very important to you. Certainly, your spouse and your children, the utmost important thing on earth that is in, in your life, your church life, your, your spiritual community, the kingdom service that God's called you to. All these things are important to you. If you have those values, your relationships and your friendships, these things are important. Being able to steal, be able to steal away and have creative thoughts and dream about the third all this is important to you. Your health, it's important to you. And maybe you've heard all of the, the time management stuff and courses you've gone through. Maybe you've read the self-help books on how you're supposed to compartmentalize things and people in, in your life. But there's something inside of all of us if we're a life giver. There's something inside of us that we're not willing to negotiate uh, our time anywhere. If, if we're a life giver, we're not willing to negotiate the investment that we're making in any of these things that are so important to us. Which means we're going to be constantly on the go. It means we're going to be busy. If we're not willing to negotiate any of these valuable things in our life, it means we're going to be busy. We've got people counting on us. We are the resource. We're the provider. We are busy. Anybody in the room today with a show of hands, you would tell me, I'm busy. My life is busy. Okay, the other half of you are lying because our lives are busy. We're going to have an altar call at the end of the service today for all the liars in the room. But for those of you who are being honest today and you'll tell me your lives are busy, I want to give you some good news. 
I want to tell you something good today. I didn't come here to put shame on you because you're busy. Here's what I came to tell you, and this is my second point. I'm coming to a close already. Don't come to the piano yet. That was a joke close. My second point is this. Know this. Busy isn't bad. Busy isn't bad. Some people will try to shame you on that, but it's not because busy is not bad. Some of us need to be reminded that busy doesn't mean that we have to be stressed. There's a difference between being busy and being stressed out. God doesn't want us stressed out, but there's nothing wrong with being busy. Some people talk about how busy they are as if it's a bad thing. Don't, if you bump into that person in Walmart, do not ask them the question, how are you doing? Because three and a half hours later, you're still going to be in the produce section. Some people are just waiting to unload. They're just waiting to vomit all that stuff up. For some, they have that habitual line and response. I'm just so busy. <sighs> so busy. You'll ask them next week the same thing. They're going to say the same thing. I'm so busy. And they do it with this heaviness on their face and heaviness of heart. I just want to say that when we're busy, that means that we're living the dream. I'm glad I'm busy. I'm glad I don't have enough hours in the day. I am thankful for that. You know what that means? That means I'm living the dream. That means, that means I have an opportunity to do what God's called me to do. That means I'm able to do what God's called me to do. That means I'm able to, to love on my family and be a part of their lives and chase them around and do all of that. You know, we all prayed. We all prayed that God would bring one person into our lives. All of you folks that are married in the room, you prayed it. You, you just pleaded with God. You chased them around. You said, God, give her to me. And now you got her. You need to be thankful. You'd be thankful. And then he threw a brew of kids behind her. You always dreamed of having that spouse, having the two and a half kids and the white picket fence and the minivan and all that. And now you're living the dream, so don't complain about being busy. It's what you prayed for. We need to be reminded today that busy isn't bad. It means we're living the dream. I can't stand talking to people who live for the weekend. I cannot stand that. Oh, it's Monday. I got the Mondays. Got a case of the Mondays. Pump day. Pump day. We're going to get there two more days. We're going to be on the weekend, only to let the weekend fly by like that. We're back at the Mondays again. No! Seize every moment. Be a life giver. Look, I, I understand the importance of rest in our lives. We all need it. We all need to take a break. We all need to hit the pause button sometimes. Everybody needs to try to take some kind of vacation. If it's just going to Vicksburg and sitting on the Mississippi River, whatever, just, just do something to retreat sometimes. We all need it. We need to renew our minds and our hearts, and our bodies need to be renewed and restored. In fact, I'm going to do that sometime this week. I, if, if there's nobody sick or in the hospital, nobody's dying or anything like that, nobody needs severe counseling right at that moment, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going I'm I'm to just unplug for about... 48 hours at some point, we need it. If I'm able, I'm going to do it. Just because sometimes we need that. Sometimes our bodies and our minds, our spirits, they need it. We, need it. we don't need to ignore that. But let's not make any part of our blessed life the enemy or the villain in our lives. Let's don't make our job the villain. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to take a step back and ask ourselves the question, am I where I'm supposed to be? Is, is the Lord ordering my steps? Has he opened another door somewhere? If not, I'm right where he wants me to be. I may not like where I am, but that doesn't really matter. I need to get happy where I'm at because this is where he has me. I want to be a life giver. Am I in the place he has, me, has for me? If so, let's not make any part of our blessed life the enemy. Busy isn't bad. Let's not make our spouse the villain. Let's not make our kids the villain. Oh, these kids are driving me crazy. Ah! Some people try to make the church the villain. But 
The church is the hope for us and our family here on earth, bringing hope, bringing spiritual community into our lives, the family of God. And if we're tempted, if we're tempted to make any of these things in our lives the villain, we need to take a step back. Just because I'm taking my jacket off, I'm still going to have you out by 12, I promise. We need to take a step back and we, we need to remember that busy isn't bad. Busy isn't bad. And rather than saying, I'm so busy with a heaviness and a sad look on our face, how about saying, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be living the dream. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to chase my kids all over the place. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to be busy and thank God for the full life that he's given us. I can almost hear some of us right now just saying, I'm so busy, I'm so tired. If that's you, then schedule a nap. Just go ahead and put it on your phone, cut the phone off and take a nap and then call a timeout for a little bit and then get back up and get back to giving life again. Let's not go around with an I'm so busy mindset because the moment we say it, it turns into days and weeks and months and years from now, we're still saying the same thing. And we just kind of end up going through this drudgery of I'm so busy and I'm so tired. I got too much going on. I got too much on my plate. Busy isn't bad. Thank God for all the things we have in our lives that we have the opportunity to pour ourselves into and to give ourselves that we have, that have value in this world and have value to us and value to God. And just thank God and realize that busy isn't bad. And number three, associate with energetic and motivated people. Get around some people that have a common vision, a common heart, that are energetic, that are motivated, that not, not people that's going to get in the mully grubs with you and, and just sing that same sad, lonely song. And I'm talking... You want people in the mully grubs with you when you're there to love you, but you want them to lift you out. You want to you be around people that's going to bring you up. If you're a life bringer, and most of us in this room are, especially those of us living in these middle owners of our lives, where we got the little ones and we got the children, and we're chasing them all around. We're being pressed and on every side, and, and most of us, both spouses are working. There's single moms here, and you're going at it all the way. And uh, those of us that's in those middle years, we're, we, we've always got plenty of people to tell us, now take it easy, slow down smell the roses and they'll try to put this guilt trip on you for going hard at life I think a lot of people are listening too much to that voice sometimes and there's a danger of listening to that because what we do is we, we then begin to uh, uh, demonize the things that God has blessed us with the thief comes to steal kill and destroy and he doesn't steal blocks of times. He steals moments and little opportunities throughout our lives. There's some things that's passing through our lives right now. And, and if we don't seize that moment, we'll miss it. We don't have time to sit on the dock of the bay. Okay, I will. <laughs> sitting in the morning sun. I'll be sitting when the evening comes. Watching the ships roll in, and I watch them roll away again. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. Yeah. I got one. Th Whoever wrote that song and performed that song, I got one thing to say to them: They need to get a life. Get a life. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Disney movie Lion King. You'll remember two char characters in there, Timon and, um, and uh, Pumbaa. Is that right, Pumbaa? Timon and Pumbaa. 
And they find this young lion named Simba, and he's, he's at this crucial place in his life where he's discovering his destiny, and he's, he's realizing his calling, and, and now he's feeling the pressure of that in the life. And, and here's these two guys, these two animals, and they're all happy and dancing all the time, and they're always singing this song, Hakuna Matata, and, and, and they sing and they dance, and it's a great song. But the problem was is they didn't encourage him in his destiny. They led him to, to believe a lie. And the lie was that his best life was in this place called Akuna Matata, a, play, a problem-free philosophy. Akuna Matata. I'm not going to sing that one. The truth is it's okay to let a Disney movie make us smile and laugh a little bit, but we need to understand that there is, much, there is so much more to life than seeking and pursuing this made-up place that really doesn't exist called Akuna Matata. It doesn't exist. There's great places. We, there's moments in our lives that we get to experience those breathtaking moments, but, but that place doesn't really exist, this problem-free philosophy place. We might just say problem-free society. And everyone who tries to get there misses out on their purpose. And actually, by dodging responsibilities and, and commitments, by not giving life and not being the bringer of life that God has called them to be, they get this escapism going on in their life and they literally end up with more pressure and more problems than they had when they started. I, I am closing. The good thing about Simba was he had a wake-up call. And after he tried to pursue this trouble-free life, he finally returns back to his place where he belonged his role of responsibility as a king. When he quit trying to pursue this and, and get, got out of this escapism mindset of just trying to get to this problem-free place, I know it's not a Bible story, but I believe it's got a great spiritual context to it. Rather than listening to Timon and Pumbaa, he, started, he finally started surrounding himself with people who were energetic and motivated and they were going after life. And he began to surround himself with people who were life givers and who were life bringers. Can I tell you, we'll always have the Timons and the Pumbas in our lives. They'll want us to sit on the dock of the bay and waste some time. In pastoring, I've, I've heard it all these years when I go to these pastors, you give, you'll burn out, you'll burn out. Don't get too busy, you'll burn out, you'll burn out. And uh, you, you, you give and you give and you give, you'll burn out. I want to tell you something, every time I've given anything, it's always come back to me many times over. Some people say, you're so selfless. No, I'm not, I'm selfish. Because I know that when I give, when I serve, when I make a sacrifice, the, the blessing comes back over and over and over again. And I do see burnout in pastors. I do because they're trying to do stuff on their own power and their own strength. They're trying to fight wars and battles that wasn't intended for them to fight. For some of them, it's not their fault. They're fighting the deacons. And it wasn't, they weren't supposed to have to fight deacons. They were supposed to have to fight the enemy. Instead, they're spending all their time fighting, fighting well, deacons. All right, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone and close. For real, let me just skip through some stuff here. Can I just say this real quickly? As life givers, we must constantly be defragmenting our lives. This is my last point. A quick way to say this is we shouldn't compartmentalize our, our lives. We shouldn't separate our lives. This comes back to what I was talking about earlier, running for office and, and, and wanting to be involved in, in something else that I felt like God had called me to. It's, it's not because I need one more thing on my plate. It's not because I want to be a little busier than I am right now. I said nothing to do with it. See, we should, all, we should bring all of our values together for this holistic approach 
to our lives, everything that we do. Uh, another word there is defragment. It's a word that comes from computer hard drives. When, uh, there, there, there's something called defragging, if you will. And, and what happens is the hard drive stores information in these little blocks and files. And fragmentation begins to happen. And those blocks and files, they begin to separate far from each other. And these files, they get pulled apart and separated. And the separation of information, hear me, I know this is a little boring, but, but hear me. The separation of this information actually begins to slow the computer down and makes it much less efficient. So the defragmentation process of pulling everything back together, it actually makes the computer faster and more efficient. A common tendency of people in all of our lives, this, this is a tendency, especially when we start to get really busy, when our lives are, is to view a life that's not separated, a life that's not compartmentalized everywhere as being out of control. Oh, wait a minute, I, I got to put this over here and I got to put that over there. So we imagine that our lives are more productive and, they're more, and it's more easy when they, and everything's just kind of separated in these files and these folders everywhere. So we begin to compartmentalize our life. Well, this is my home life, and this is my job life, and this is my church life, and this is my social life. And as long as I can just keep everything where it belongs and keep everybody in their right spot, and I can live this life here, and I can be this person here, people. If you look around, the people who are the life givers are the people, the people who are living life to the fullest, they've learned a word called integrate. They've learned how to defragment their life. And they've learned how to pull all of the non-negotiables and all of their values together instead of separating and, and, and fragmenting everything and, and, and separating everything. They, they brought everything together and now nothing's opposing one another. Now nothing is an enemy of something else. Well, uh, the job is an enemy of my family, and, and, and my family is an enemy to the church. No, we brought all the values together. Because when we start seeing our values opposing one another, we end up with a much less efficient life and a compromise that we will not be happy with in days to come. So the key is to integrate. I love when we come together on Wednesday nights. If you've not had an opportunity to come and be a part of a Wednesday night on, at Life Church, I would encourage you to do so. But because I, I love it, it's one of my favorite moments sometimes. Not necessarily what we're doing. Some of, my some of my favorite moments sometimes is just to stand back and watch. And I see all these kids from our church, they're all gathered up and they're out playing in the yard together. And, and they're, they're finally coming in and they're receiving some worship and word together. And, and they're, they're sharing a meal together. Meanwhile, the adults, we're gathering in the fellowship hall. Can I just tell you, that's the reason why we're doing this big project out here. It's because I, I envision this place where we all gather. If it's a Wednesday night or a Thursday, whatever, whenever we just gather and we, we do life and we, we share the values, the things that are most valuable to us. We get to sit and watch our kids out playing on the yard and the playground. and We're sharing a meal together and they're sharing a meal together. And, and instead of it being, okay, well, this is the only night we have to be, have our family alone. That's the only time we get valuable family time is when we just get home in the evening. No, take a night where we integrate. We integrate. No, I, my church life ought to be a big part of my family life and my home life and, and let's do life together and we share in the same value and then it begins to increase everything in our lives people only knew the value of community rather than thinking of terms like I can't do that the only valuable time I have is, is in the evening time alone with my family if we, if we, if we want to be a life bringer if we want to be a life giver we just have to learn we just have to work at more efficient levels by defragmenting our lives rather than separating our lives 
learning how to integrate our lives, bringing all of our values together. I, I need to close, and I got two more pages. So let me just say this. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 3.23, whatever you do, do with all your heart as working for the Lord. Look, there's going to be days it's talk about rest and the value and the importance of rest in our lives. There's going to be days when we do that because it's, it's important. Jesus talked about it. But I want to say something for today. Hey, don't curse your busyness. God's given us a mandate. He's given us a call. He's put the right people in our lives. Your, your spouse is the spouse he gave you. So let's get happy with them, okay? The children he gave you or the children, no matter how messed up they are or whatever they're doing, they're still your babies. Whether they're five or whether they're 50, they're still your babies. Let's, they're still our mandate. The church that he's blessed you with to serve, it's your church whether you like it or not. Roll your sleeves up and serve. And I'm just going to say this, push. Get off the dock of the bay and push. Our best life is not sitting in the morning sun every morning watching the ships roll in. Our best life is when we are giving, when we are bringing life, when we're being a conduit of the life of God and bringing hope. Would you stand? Because I got one more word. I got one more little something I got to share with you before you go. I love this story. It was just a few years ago, Pope Francis, he was speaking to a group of nuns around the world and, 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 and this is what he said to them. This was his mandate to the nuns. Remember, he's talking to nuns. He said, be spiritual mothers, not old maids. You pick up themselves behind a whole bunch of nuns all around the world, and they're listening to their pope. They set themselves apart to not have natural children. And then he comes along and he says, you be careful that you don't become an old maid. Be careful that you don't become barren. I know you're not natural, moms, but you need to get out there on the street and, and you need to spend yourself and you need to exhaust yourself and you need to be spiritual mamas. So to all the life givers in the room today, let's just keep speaking life. Let's keep stirring up life. Let's keep, let's keep singing life. Let's keep giving it our best. Let's bring our worship. Let's bring our encouragement to others. Let's keep on serving. There's no shame in this. If you're spent, if you're tired, the Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. There's a resistance to everything that is moving forward. There's a resistance to everything God has for us in our future. We can't, we can't have everything God has for us without meeting some kind of resistance. We will come up against it. You may be tired, you may be weary, but God's word to you today is don't stop, don't give up. Keep giving life. Keep giving life. Look at your neighbor today and high five them and say, give life. Be a life giver. Be a life bringer. Go give life. Let's give life everywhere that we go. God's given us life. We are to give life. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed today. Go in His grace. Go in His love. In the name of the Lord. Oh, God, you're the great.